Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat, and relax, because this is The Leo Effect. When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat, cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of The Leo Effects. Uh, today, I'm joined by a uh, very special guest. We have a mutual friend in common who sent him my way, but we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. I am joined by Scott Harris. How are you today, sir? I'm doing excellent. Thank you very much. That's amazing. So the first question I got I to gotta shoot out to you, because I do it to everybody, is uh, what is it that you do? Well, I think that what I do relative to our discussion today is I'm a, a writer, um, predominantly a Western writer. Uh, I'm, I'm about, uh, in the last three years, I've published between 30 and 35 books. Wow. A um, couple of business books and one children's book, but uh, the bulk of them have been Westerns. And it's a, it's a genre that I, I enjoy reading and I enjoy writing. That's amazing. That's really cool. Like, what what was it that got you into writing? Well, I've always done a little bit of writing. I mean, I'd written a couple of business books in the past, and um, I own a marketing firm, so there's just a lot of business writing involved in doing that. Um, but what specifically got me into writing the Westerns was um, out in our backyard. We've got kind of an expansive backyard. I have a an area carved out. We called it Siestaville, and it's a nice little covered area with a big hammock out there it's it's been there the whole 20 years we've owned the home no oh. and uh i like to go out three or four afternoons a week and um and have a cigar and read a book and about every four or five years i would reread all of louis lamore's books uh, my kids used to call it, oh dad's going out for louis and a cigar <laughs> and uh one one day my wife and by the way if, if any of your listeners are curious a louis lamore book takes about two cigars to read Oh, okay. Um, I used to judge. I used to judge books by how many cigars it would take to read them. And uh, one day, my wife came and said, "You know, as much as you love these Louis L'Amour books and you've been reading them your whole life, why don't you try writing one?" So I did, and it turned out to be an absolute blast. But that—that's really cool. Let's go back to that for a yeah. minute. What was the first one that you wrote? The first western that I wrote, and at the time, I thought it was the only western I was going to write, uh, was a book called Coyote Courage. And um, the protagonist is, uh, is a guy named Brock Clemens. And um, since 
I wrote that first book and I thought, you know what, I'll publish this. I'll check it off. It's a nice bucket list item. And, um, and I have a habit of my, of, uh, of my hobbies lasting about three years and then moving on. But this one, I thought I'll just do this book and that'll be kind of fun. And, and, uh, and then I'll go on. And two days after I published it, the first one was self-published two days after I published it, I started the second one and I haven't stopped writing since. And I've absolutely loved it. And so I've written, uh, the Brock Clemens Western series is, is the best selling and probably my favorite of the series, but I've written a couple other series as well. There's the Cavs Vigilante Hunter series. And then there's a uh, stagecoach Willie, which is uh, about uh, a pair of stagecoach drivers. And then there's some nonfiction books that I've done. Um, some in collaboration with others and have thoroughly enjoyed it's, it's been a marvelous journey. I've met amazing people. I've had so much fun doing this and, uh, and I feel real blessed. It's, it's been, uh, it's been a joy in my life for the last three years. Nice. It's, it's always good to have a passion like that. Do you, do you stick with kind of exclusively Westerns? Um, yeah, well, the very, the, the large bulk of these books have been Westerns, both fiction and nonfiction. Um, in that same time, I, uh, I published, uh, I guess just two non-Westerns. I published a business book and I published a children's book and, um, the business book I did cause that's part of what you do in owning the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, the children's book I did because I, I hope someday to read it to my grandchildren. Oh, and, awesome. um, I thought that, would, yeah, I thought that would be a fun thing to do. So, um, but yeah, I'm predominant. It's been Westerns. I've absolutely loved them. And um, I've spent some time recently wondering what I would write if I wasn't writing Westerns. Um, my wife and I have sold our home and our business. And in about two months, we're moving to, um, to a lake in South Carolina. So I'm wondering if, if I might work a lake in there or do something uh, different about that. But you know, I don't know. We'll kind of see where it goes. For right now, this is thoroughly enjoyable. It's where I've made my connections and my friends. And I think I've still got a couple of stories left. <laughs> there you go. I would like to hear a couple more stories. <laughs> well, that's kind of you to say. Thank you. And so have you ever considered writing like uh, a Western in space? I mean, I heard there's a niche for that. <laughs> you know, there's all, there, there actually are. There are sci-fi Westerns. I mean, you, you can put sci-fi into about anything, I guess, or you can put Westerns into about anything. Um, they did a movie uh, like that a couple of years ago, Cowboys and Aliens, and I remember they were interviewing the, the producer, or the director, or somebody, and said, "Oh my God, the aliens in the old west." And, he, and his response was interesting. He goes, "Every time we talk about aliens, it's in the present." And he said, "But but if there are aliens out there, for them, 150 years ago or 150 years in the future wouldn't matter." He said, "So it's I don't think it's as as silly as it sounds. It's just not something that we thought about." And when he said it, it rang true. I mean, we, we always have aliens coming on down and attacking us. And, of course, we save them at the last minute. That's, that's what Will Smith is for. Um, <laughs> but why, but why, not, why not have them come down 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 500 years ago and, uh, and see where we are? So, anyway, it was an interesting thing. I don't think I'm going to go there. Um, I like writing more about people. Um, that's, that's what I enjoy writing about the Westerns. One of the... One of the reasons I enjoy writing about Westerns is because it was such a simple time. I'm oversimplifying, but the truth is you need a, a horse and a gun and you're good to go. <laughs> okay. And after that, you've got to come up. Yeah. After that, you've got to come up with a story about people. 
Um, you know, on, on the other extreme is the old Batman television show, right, where the guy had the belt and whatever situation he was in, he just grabbed it out of the belt. You know, shark repellent or an instant rope or a tank or whatever he needed. Um, and that's always been kind of my thing about science fiction is um, it's generally technology and, and some sort of creativity in that area that gets people in and out of trouble and not the people themselves. Oh, yeah. And um, and I think w- with a Western, you've stripped it down to pretty much its essence. You know, there's there's no secret weapons. There's no special effects. There's no magical things happening. Um, and so that has long been the attraction for me is the lack of technology and the focus on the people. Gotcha. And I might just not be creative enough to write about science fiction. Well, I don't know about all that. I think everybody's got a little bit of that creativity in them, but I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah, and and that just works for me. You know, it's and I, and I think it's what motivates a lot of Western readers when I when I talk to people about westerns or when I speak at conferences or whatever. Um, that seems to be um, kind of a common thread. There's a lot of that. Uh, um, you know, man against man or even man against humanity, but there's no man against machine. Um, and that, that I think makes it interesting because it forces you, uh, or at least it forces me um, to dive into the human side of this. And um, I know that doesn't work for all readers. Um, you know, I've had readers write and say, my God, why aren't there more killings in your book? You know, you, you spend a lot of time talking about the results of the killing. Let's get some more in there. Nah, it's not it's not the focus of my books. doesn't mean there aren't great, great books that do that. Um, and actually, that's why I wrote the Kaz series. I wrote a, a six-book series called Kaz Vigilante Hunter, and that's what it was about. If you imagine kind of Charles Bronson and Clint Eastwood, you know, a laconic man with uh, very few words and the ability to shoot 28 bullets out of a six-shooter. <laughs> and... Um, and and there was a group of readers that absolutely loved those books, but then there were a lot of readers in my first series who goes, what happened? This isn't, this isn't what we wanted. And, and I get that. It's, you know, not every book is for every person. Yeah, that makes sense. It really does. Have you yep. ever considered uh, going to anybody to having these books turn into, like, maybe a, a series, like a TV series or a movie of some sort? I have. There has been some interest in that. Um um, I'm very pleased that I've been contacted by a couple people. Uh, my wife and I have been going through a, a lot of transition in the last few months or a year as we've sold our business. And, and we actually just sold our home last night. Oh, um, congratulations. Uh, we, well, thank you very much. We're very excited about it, but very sad. It's been an amazing home for us. We've lived here over 20 years. Um, but so with that transition, I just thought, you know what, we'll just focus on the things that we're doing and then when we get back to South Carolina, we'll take another look at it. So I think that's something that will probably fire up again uh, late spring, early summer, um, and see if there's uh, if there's a legitimate interest or if it was just a casual interest. Um, I think the character in the Brock Clemens books I think would make a terrific uh, you know television series. Um, you know I, I write my books. I certainly wrote the Brock series. My my theory was always. I wanted to be able to read it with my daughter, my wife, and my mother in the room. So there's there's no cursing, there's no sex. It's um, you know it's a, it's a family friendly series. I gotcha. Um, and so it's you know and again I've talked to people who who don't do that 
Um, and there's, it's not a right or a wrong. It just, it's just kind of, um, of what you want to write. And, um, you know, and that's an interesting proposition as well. If you, if you write for fun, like I do, if it's a hobby, uh, then you get to write exactly what you want to write. And if nobody likes it, if nobody buys it, no big deal. If you write for a living, then you do, you have to judge the audience. You have to judge, you know, how you're going to be able to sell the most possible books and then you put things in those books that you may not be comfortable with, um, but nonetheless, they help the book sell. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging it as much as just assessing it. And, you know, I have the luxury of being able to write exactly the books that I want to write. And, I mean, I hope people buy them. I hope they enjoy them. Um, but at the level that I sell, although I've had a lot of success as far as being at the top of the bestseller list in the Western genre... Wow. You know, you, you don't get you don't get rich selling westerns. The genre itself is too small. Um, you know, it's just not it's just not it's not a sustainable huge selling model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas it's kind of like the difference if if you're into music, for example. I played in a blues band for a number of years, and blues sells a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what pop or country or, uh, you know, uh, rock might sell. Um, and so you can be at the top of the blues chart and you would still be, you know, number 1,842nd on the country chart. Um, and that's just the nature of the genre that just aren't that many fans to it. Um, but you know, maybe that's why I was drawn to those two things. You know, one of, one of the things I found to be exciting about both when I play blues and, and now when I'm writing the Westerns is I can talk to almost anybody in either of those genres if you know i play blues harmonica so i talk to the very best harmonica players in the world in fact i had a chance to play with the very best harmonica players in the world but if i was playing guitar it's not like i could call eric clapton and say hey eric i'm having trouble with this lick can you help me out yeah. but you can actually do that but you can do that in the blues you can get to the very best in the world and the same thing in the western genre in the writing is i've spoken to the best-selling western authors in the world and they've been generous and kind with answering questions or, or maybe uh, offering some advice, solicited or unsolicited. And that's been an absolute blessing. Um, and I kind of enjoy that. So um, I tend to think that maybe, you know, as, as I got into this Western thing, I, I started to see the parallels between the two genres. And um, I thought, you know, what, it probably plays to my personality. Um, and uh, so I've enjoyed that. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, that it's great to have a smaller community in some times that you can work together like that. Yes. Yeah, it's it's an enjoyable thing for me. Um, you know, it's uh, you get to feel like you're right. You get to feel like you're a part of the community, you know, and it's um, I mean, if you look, if you look at, at some other communities, they're just too large or the people at the top are just too popular mm-hmm. to be accessible. Uh, and I don't, I don't fault them, by the way. If you have millions of fans, you can't possibly respond to each and every request that somebody has. Right. It's, it's not humanly possible. Um, but like for me, I, you know, I got an email yesterday from somebody that had a question about one of my books, um, and I was able to sit down and, and write an answer, um, in large part because I'm not so popular that I don't get you know, dozens of those a day. Uh, but when I do get the occasional, when I do get the occasional question or, um, 
or comment, uh, positive or negative, I'm always happy to respond, and uh, and I'm and I'm able to learn from it. You know, it's I have friends who are writers that aren't a big fan of being critiqued or criticized, um, but for me, um, it's a way to learn. It forces me to sit back and say, okay, is is this criticism valid? Does it make sense? And is it consistent or inconsistent with the way that I want to write and the stories I want to tell? Um, I wrote a book on how to write your first novel. And, and in that book, I used uh, two back-to-back Amazon reviews. Oh. And, um, and, and it was interesting because one of them said uh, the book is, is um, too insightful into the people. I don't really care what they're thinking. And I just need more action, more horses, more guns, more bad guys. And the very next review said, the book doesn't go quite deep enough into the individual characters. I'd like to know more about what they're thinking and, you know, what's, what happens as a result of the action that takes place. And I thought, you know what? They're both right. Uh, but I can't write both ways. So you kind of got to pick and choose. But I think that, it's, that it's, it's valuable to be reflective. And it's hard to do that often. For me, it's hard to do that without some kind of you know, outside influences. Right. And so, you know, again, I, I talked to dozens of writers. I've collaborated. I've done a series of anthologies where I've collaborated um, with 51 other writers in each of the books. And I talked to a lot of them about their process. For me, I have four or five people that every time I finish a chapter, I send this chapter off. It's four people. I send this chapter off to the four people and get their feedback. To, you know, am I on track? Am I consistent? You know, am I, am I speaking honestly about my characters? Um, and they help me. It, it keeps me between the rails. I have other friends that absolutely refuse to let anybody see a word of their book until they're done. Oh. Neither's right. Or, and, and they're not right or wrong. You know, it's, it's um, you've just got to do what works for you. I don't think I'd be that good writing in a vacuum. I like the feedback. And I, I believe that I'm strong enough to not let it have undue influence. You know, I don't, I don't bend to the last email that I read, um, but I certainly look at them collectively and say, okay, have I gotten away from too much action? Have I drifted away from the, you know, uh, what I would consider the honesty of my characters? Am I making my bad guys too stereotyped um, or not evil enough? You know, sometimes gotcha. I find myself getting carried, carried away with nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's just time to, to pull out a gun and shoot a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one way to do which, it. Which in, which in the end, the readers enjoy. You yeah. Know, you make your bad guy bad at it. It's, you know, and that's the case in any book, right? You make your antagonist bad enough so, the, so that the viewer or the reader is just aching for them to get their comeuppance. Right. And um, and that's your that's your job is, is I, I see that as my job as a writer um, is part of that is to give them that relief of, you know, the guy wearing the black hat getting shot between the eyes. <laughs> oh, that's good. Would you yeah. you had said that um, you had worked collaboratively with with people. Do you prefer to work alone or do you like to have like another author working with you? Well, I think it goes in and out. I mean, I've um, I've done a series. Uh, I, I created a series of books. There are four in the series, and they're what I call 500-word micro-shorts. And I went to uh, 51 authors beside myself, 52 in total, 
and I gave each of them this one sentence. And I said, write a 500-word micro-short story using, and it has to include this sentence. And then we published those as a series. And it's fantastic the different directions that 52 writers will go, starting with the same sentence. Um, And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that so much. I did another series um, where I only went to nine or ten writers per book, and we each wrote a 5,000-word short story based on a shared prompt. So I created, again, the single sentence, sent it off to these friends of mine, and everybody wrote a 5,000-word story. I gave some very basic parameters. Um, going back to an earlier question that you asked, it had to be kind of a, a traditional Western, take place west of the Mississippi in between 1830 and 1890 and a couple little things like that. Okay. But outside of that, they could write about whatever they wanted. And those books were fun. Um, and I enjoyed that. And then I, I did a, um, a book of short stories that my son and I wrote. And, um, you know, it just, I've got two kids and it's just a blessing anytime I can get my kids involved in any projects I'm doing. Yeah, that's um, cool. And so that, yeah, that was very, very cool. Um, and regardless of what else happens, no matter what, um, that book will be out there forever for my grandkids and great grandkids. You know, this is what great grandpa and, and grandpa wrote together. And um, I, I, I think that's one of the terrific things about books is they go forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they really it's, do. Uh, so there you go. That's one of the terrible things about my band, by the way, is that goes forever. And as I watched the old YouTubes, I was not very good. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, and we had a chance to uh, to play a lot of gigs over the five years. But as it turns out, it was my bandmates carrying me that uh, that made the band. It was not not my particular skill as a harmonica player. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd have to hear it myself. I might have to look that up on YouTube, see if I can find it. <laughs> you can. They won't let you take those things down. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, hey, so are all of your books, like, are they available, like, strictly online, or do you have actual physical books in the bookstores? Or? Oh, no. You know, it's a funny thing. No, they're not in the bookstores, but they are available in paperback. So um, I would say about 95% of all sales now in the Western genre, at least are Kindle. Um, You know, I self published my first two books. I'm pretty confident that I knew everybody who bought one. (laughs) They were just (laughs) friends and family. Um, But then a publisher picked up the books and it was really, it was quite exciting. So I got contacted by a publisher uh, just as I was finishing up my third book. So they re-released the first two and um, and then, uh, you know, introduced the third one. And after about three weeks, I get a call from my publicist, a, a, a fine gentleman by the name of Nick Whale out of London. And Nick called and he said, my God, you're the 57th best-selling author in the world. And I said, I can't believe I'm the 57th best Western seller. He goes, no, 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 not Western. Of all books in the world, you're 57th. And Dang. I went online, and, Am- and Amazon publishes this list. And one day I would be uh, next to, uh, say, Clive Cussler or John Grisham. Um, and it was just an amazing run. And it was, it was exciting to see. Um, you know, obviously these guys do it for years and years and years. I did it for about an hour and a half. But nonetheless, <laughs> it, was, it, was, 
nonetheless, it was fun to be a part of that. And so one of the things that, that I've insisted on and my publisher has been generous in doing is all of my books come out in paperback. Um, and a lot of the guys don't do that because, honestly, it's not worth it. It's, it's not a good financial investment. You don't sell enough paperback westerns anymore to justify doing it. It's a kindness that my publisher extends to me, um, for which I'm quite appreciative. Uh, but 95, 97% of sales are uh, through Kindle. And if you talk to, to uh, writers now, at least in the Western genre, we don't talk anymore about how many books you sell. You talk about how many pages you sell. Because if you go online and download one of my books, you know, if you're a, a, Kindle, um, a Kindle Unlimited member, which is what most of them do, right? Mm -hmm. If you download the book, I don't make any money. Um, but if you start to read it, I do. And Amazon keeps track of how many pages of my book you read, of how many oh. pages of every, every book in the world. And so at the end of each month, they take all of the pages read of all of the books, and they divide it by how many of those pages were yours. So, and then they send you a check based on that. So you can sell, let's say you sell a million pages a month. A month. That, that the, the amount of money that you make on that million pages changes each month based on how many pages are read around the world of all books collectively, because your million pages could be a, a, a larger or smaller percentage of total pages sold. And so you never know. And it's a fascinating okay. thing to watch. It, it's really been enjoyable for me um, to kind of see how that process goes. And at least for me, and I'm guessing it's this way for almost everything, because I don't think in any way would I be unique, there's a, there's a predictable trend with each book. So the book takes off a little slow, then it catches on. Hopefully it you know, gets up to the top of the charts, and then it starts to fade a little bit. And then a year or two later, the publisher re-releases the book. It finds a whole new audience and does that again. And um, if you graph these things, which my son has been kind enough to do, I mean, it is, it's just a curve. It's predictable. You can take the same curve and just put a new title on it. And um, it becomes very easy to guess within, you know, a few pages of how many a book is going to sell. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, so there aren't, you know, if you go to, if you go to a bookstore like Barnes and Nobles and whatnot, many of them don't even have a Western section anymore. Um, you know, it's just not, it's just not popular enough. And hmm. so at my books, at least, um, are not in bookstores. There are two or three Western authors out there that do really well at the, you know, New York Times bestseller uh, level. It's kind of, again, I go back to comparing it to the blues. You know, most blues bands, you know, they sell a handful of albums and they make their money at concerts. There are the rare exceptions, like, say, a Buddy Guy. Um, and Buddy Guy sells at an astronomical level. But he's truly an outlier. Gotcha. Um, he is not representative. Of, he's not representative of the genre as well, and so the Robert Parkers and and those couple of guys that that do that, um, they are outliers in the genre and and not the way it goes. The ninety nine percent of us don't have our books in bookstores, except used bookstores, um, and we we make our whatever we sell, we generally sell on Kindle. Aha. Uh -huh. There's the so, there it is. There's the business model. <laughs> yeah, there's the business. There's the business side of it, and it's um, 
You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting study for me as a guy who's been in marketing my whole life to kind of see how that works. I find it fascinating. Um, and obviously I'm happy when the books sell, um, but I'm blessed that it's, it's not a requirement for my wife and I's uh, future. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I think it, it is, you know, they say everybody who says it's not about the money means it's exactly about the money. Um, but for me, honestly, I think it's more about the ego. I, I'm, I'm flattered when people buy the books. I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely flattered when they do. It is, it's just a thrill for me. Um, and, and just to get notes from people around the world that they've taken the time to read the book and care about the characters and, and whatnot. I just, it, it is, I've only been doing it three years, but it has not gotten old. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you have anything in the works right now? Well, you know, I just, I just published the newest book in the Brock Clemens series. Um, it's called Renegade. And um, I'd like to think it's the best book in the series, just because I, I hope I'm getting better with each book. And uh, yesterday I wrote the first chapter in what will be the newest book in, in the Brock series. And that book is going to be called Stampede oh. just because I like the word. I don't actually know how a stampede is going to fit into the book, but now <laughs> I've, I backed, I backed myself into it because it's the name we threw on the back cover of the renegade book. Gotcha. Um, said, you know, the, the, eighth, the eighth book in the series will be coming out in the spring and it'll be called stampede. And, uh, you know, my publicist said, so, What's the stampede? I said, I have no idea. Uh, but, but now there will be a stampede. So somewhere in there, there's going to be a stampede. And, and uh, those who read my books know absolutely as much about that as I do right now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, so the yep. last little bit that I have here, I was wondering if you uh, would be so kind as to let the listeners know where to follow you on social media. Well, First of all, the kindness is yours. Um, and, you know, one of the best places to do that is at the Amazon author page, because I, I write a blog that goes on that page. Um, and it's um, if you go to the Amazon author section and just look up Scott Harris, uh, you will find me there. And it lists all my books. It's got my blogs. It's got uh, some people that I might recommend. Um you know, similar writers, they've done a really good job of that. And it's, and, um, you know, I've got, because I've been in so many anthologies and stuff, there's probably 50 or 60 books listed on that page. Oh, and, okay. um, I'm looking at, it, I'm looking at it as we talk. And from that, you can find for me, selfishly, you can find all of my books. Um, the ones that are, well, they're all on Kindle, they're all paperback. And some of them are now audio books. You can find other authors uh, that I might recommend uh, that, that I think are kind of similar to some of the work that I do or just guys that I enjoy reading or women that I enjoy reading. Um, and then from there, you can click through and find others. It becomes a journey, I think, as you go through. So that is the absolute best way to go about it. All right. Awesome. And I'll put a link to that in the description of the podcast, as I normally do for the listeners. Um but I just want to say well, thank you. I appreciate so... Go ahead, sir. Oh, I was going to say thank you. I, I I appreciate this, what you're doing, and and whether it's writers or actresses or singers or songwriters or or anybody who who tries to entertain the rest of us. I I love what you're doing with your podcast, and and um, you know if 
if it gives people an opportunity to discover something new, I, I think that's an exciting adventure. And um, if it's my books, great. And if it's not, there are so many amazing authors out there. And, and um, you know, I, I just, I hope they find somebody that, that uh, they want to just go ahead and race through all of the books. There you go. And I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, it's... Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to all the listeners who's dropped on in to check this out. And I hope you definitely head over to the author's page and check out Scott's books. Um, From what I saw of them, they look amazing. I'm going to get a couple myself. So have a wonderful read, and we will see you all next time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creatures of all ages, what an amazing show. Thank you for lending an ear and joining us. I'm the host, Ray Rumsey, and if you want to hear more interviews, simply head to anywhere podcasts are heard, Facebook or Twitter, and search The Leo Effects, with an A, not an E. If you'd like to hear me doing silly voices and making a general fool of myself, head over to Shattered Dungeons on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We live stream every Tuesday night. More projects are in the works. For now, stay tuned for more interviews. To book yourself as a guest, you can head to theleoeffects.wixsite.com slash podcast or send me an email at theleoeffects at gmail.com. Remember, this has been The Leo Effects, and great shows require great listeners just like you. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.